Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, Justin, we're getting right into this. Screw the introduction. Screw the pregame show. Bruins, Panthers, the Bruins, the best team in the regular season in the history of the NHL. You think, okay, they got the veteran presence. They've got the Vesna goaltender. They're poised for a deep run. And we just witnessed potentially one of the biggest chokes in the history of the NHL. Up 3-1, lose three straight, lose in game seven in overtime. I've got two words. I'm going to let you get into it, but I've got two words. Adversity and momentum is are two words that stuck out to me as I reviewed the tape, as I looked back on the games. The Florida Panthers have been playing meaningful hockey for a month and a half now. The Boston Bruins, they played zero, zero meaningful hockey this season. They won every game. They glided through the regular season. They have played their first meaningful hockey game was two weeks ago. The Florida Panthers have been playing meaningful hockey for the last... Two months, we'll say. And momentum. Momentum is a real thing. There's a lot to get into here, Justin, but what were your thoughts on the game? Because I was completely shocked. I went through a roller coaster last night. And for all the people, there's people emailing the Daily Mission account. For all the people reaching out, <laughs> thank you for your support. But go ahead. <sighs> all right, all right. Um... First of all, my condolences to you and, and this Boston Bruins fan base. I mean, it's it's a situation where, like, like we talked about before, it's an absolute anomaly. It's a special piece of NHL history, and you're just on the wrong side of it, and that's just sometimes how it goes as a fan. But in terms of the breakdown of the series, um, it was something, yeah, watching this series, you said the momentum and the um, desperation hockey just never seemed like it was there for the Bruins. Like, this was something the Florida Panthers looked like they wanted it more. Um, they had that dog in them in that sense of, hey, we're going to knock off the, the, the best regular season team ever, and we're going to make an absolute statement to the league. And they went out and uh, and, uh, and got it done. <clears throat> but for me, and I think you'll agree with this, a lot of the talk for this Bruins team in terms of analyzing it pre-playoffs was the experience, the, the, the knowledge of playoffs, the guys they've had on this roster that you would think be able to just get it done, be poised, etc., they looked far from poised in almost every game of this playoff series. Like, I think back, especially to game six, where they kept chasing them, kept chasing them, kept chasing them, goal, goal, back and forth the whole way. And they could just never lock it down. It was a lot of Allmark. I think there's something to be said in terms of uh, a little bit of blame on Allmark for that game six. But, like, you're still playing out in front of them. Like, you would think that they'd be able to lock it down after goal number uh for this Bruins team, you would honestly think two, three, maybe four. So for it to get so out of hand, I mean, hey, we've seen the t- seen it. Is this is this? I know you're a fan, but this just happens to Boston. They go to Game Seven. The Lightning got swept to, by Columbus a few years ago. Like I don't know which one's worse. I mean, it, hey, you see this sometimes though. 
yeah, it happens for sure. But yeah, like you said, I mean, all of the things that made this team great during the regular season, you just you just it, it just escaped them in the uh, in the playoffs. I mean, you know, you get these leads in, in game five. That was the that was the we'll call it the TSN turning point. That is when the 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 series began to flip. The Bruins completely yep. dominated that game, outshot them what forty seven to twenty five. All over them, but they end up losing in overtime. Okay, now this, the series shifts to uh, to Florida. You can't get it done. You can't hold leads, which you've done all season long. You've been the best team at holding leads. You get two different leads in the third period. You blow them both. You end up losing 7-5. And then last night, it, it, it was just, it was unbelievable. It was like watching a different team. I mean, the giveaways. Yeah. We watched Bertuzzi yeah. all series long. As good as he was offensively, gave the puck away all series long. Charlie McAvoy. We're talking about guys who are stars in the National Hockey League. We're playing nervous. And I expected them to come out uh, last night and just... Put the burners on, you know, show them why, you know, show the, the Panthers that this did not deserve to go to seven games. And they were playing nervous. There was some nervous energy from both teams to start off that game. And honestly, when Pasternak scored that goal to go up 3-2, it was early in the third, but I thought, there it is. The boys are back. They'd scored an early one on the power play to start the third. Now Pasternak off a juicy rebound off a great shot by Brendan Carlo. Far pad, right at the Pasternak. He buries it. I'm like, okay, this thing's over. And then... Montour, I mean, we got to give a ton of credit to the Florida Panthers because they played phenomenally well. Getting bodies yep, out yep. front. Sam Bennett, unbelievable hockey player. I haven't watched much of him, but he played unbelievable that series. Matthew Kachuk, I mean, yep. just incredible. And Brandon Montour, we're like, what? Yeah. He's going to get paid. He played unbelievable. The clutch goals that that guy scored, I mean, you got to give him credit. And Bobrovsky, you know, it, did what he needed to do. But, but go ahead, Justin. It was just, I mean, it, it's shocking. You're absolutely right. I mean, and there is credit to be given out to these Florida guys. Like you said, uh, Montour, obviously unbelievable. Barkov, obviously, he's a big leader there. I know production-wise, he's kind of had a, a little bit of a dip, but still a huge leader there. Defensively plays a great game. Bobrovsky stepping in was absolutely massive for them. I know there's an argument to be made about how he actually performed, but you know what? He got the wins, which is what you need in a goaltender, obviously. Um, Kachuk and Verhage. Verhage, absolute snipe show this year. Scored, I believe, 40-plus in the regular season. Gets the uh, OT winner here in Game 7. Absolute hero. Kachuk, obviously, uh, um, up in on that four-check. Never gave up on a puck. And again, the heart and soul of this team, and I don't want to take anything away from Barkov being there as a captain and everything, is Matthew Kachuk. This guy came into the series and said, hey, we're going to knock off the best team that's ever played in, in the NHL regular season. They went down 3-1. And I promise you, he sat in that locker room and he said, I'm not changing my tone, fellas. We are still knocking off. Like, to be down 3-1 against a team like this speaks volumes to the character in that locker room because a lot of teams would fold over and say, you know what? We got a game on them. We didn't get swept. We barely got into playoffs. We're young. We'll do this again next year and we'll be the better team. No, they said that's not happening. We are chugging back into this series and we're going to win this thing and go to TD Garden Game 7 and, and finish this off. And they did it. That's be so much volume of the character. Um, so you got to give a lot of credit to the Panthers. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything to finish on here with the Bruins. What do you, I guess, quickly, what are your thoughts on maybe Bergeron, Krejci, those guys, and, and maybe the future and, or what you think for that going forward? Yeah, I think the 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 window of... Uh, of opportunity for the Boston Bruins, it really does depend on on the return of Patrice Bergeron, and and I, I think David Krejci should hang them up. And I hate saying that because he's had an illustrious career; he's been so phenomenal for the Bruins. He just he was injured, it looked like, and and he's lost you know a half step with his speed. And 
Um, you know, obviously yep. the goal was huge, but you know, it was, it was a one timer. Anyway, I, I didn't love what I saw from David Krejci. I, I don't know his injuries. And I know that Patrice Bergeron was playing with a herniated, herniated disc, which is just, you know, what you expect out of that guy. He's an absolute warrior, but I, I, I think that this team could come back and make some noise if, you know, if they decide, yeah. you know, that they've got another window or, you know, some, a one more year type deal. Um, but yeah, you know, I hope to see them back, but I will close this argument by saying, or the, not this argument, but this this kind of this breakdown of this series is: isn't this why we love sports as a fan? I'm watching yeah. that game and the emotions that I felt. They go down two goals. I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm like, I'm I'm not panicking, but I'm feeling a little bit of nerves. The goals that they score, the big goals. I mean, the the Bertuzzi tip and the Pasternickel. I'm going bananas. I'm standing up, and I think my whole entire neighborhood could hear me screaming. And then just the overtime angst, the anxiety. It's just, that's why we love sports. That's why we love win or lose. It's the emotions. It's the ups and the downs. It's the the intrigue. It's just, it was it was a, it was a phenomenal series. And, and, and congrats to the, the Florida Panthers. I mean, it, uh, yeah. they shocked the world. And, and what else can you say? I mean, it's going to go down as a huge choke by the Boston Bruins. But you got to give a lot of credit to the, to the Florida Panthers. And, I mean, now they go on and take on... The Toronto Maple Leafs, who are over the curse, they get it done in Game Six. They go down and, uh, and to Tampa Bay, and after Game Five, you know the the pressure starts to build. But man, I thought Ilya Samsonov was incredible during that game. Both goaltenders played very well. And how fitting was hometown Toronto kid John Tavares ending it in overtime? The Leafs break the curse. Absolutely, and and it's. It's something that's honestly crazy to think about. Um, we're talking about round one of the playoffs, and the city of Toronto is going absolutely lunatic in the streets, like up on the <laughs> light posts, uh, uh, climbing on cars. They're, they're doing the whole championship uh, charade, and they won round one. Again, <laughs> I understand why, but, hey, we got a lot to go here now, and now they get the Panthers matchup. So, I mean, we'll get into that, but yep. <clears throat> that <laughs> we saw what the Panthers could do. So, uh, anyways... Uh, Leafs win it had to be John Tavares had to be John Tavares. The, the, the boy in the pajama, the pajama, uh, Leafs pajamas, uh, uh, signs in Toronto breaks the streak for the New York Islanders. People forget. And then breaks the streak for the, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and that's what we looked for with these Leafs. And that's what the whole debate was. Are they mature enough with this court? Do they have the experience? Do they have the guys that could play, uh, win playoff hockey? You have it with Tavares. You have it with Ryan O'Reilly. Matthews shows up at a great game seven with a big goal. Ryan O'Reilly played out of his mind in this series. Like, what? And, and Samson, like you said, 30-plus saves. Like, this is a team. We talked about it. We both agreed. It. We both had the Leafs winning this round. They. This is a different team in terms of the, the, the mentality, the aggressor you see. They want to win this. They wanted to win this round one. Like, that. there's no way around it. You're naive if you don't if you don't believe that they absolutely know how massive this round one was going to be and, and they knew what they were doing when they were going after it, but it's still a team that wants to win more. And this Tampa Bay lightning team, honestly, a lot of kudos to them for the, the pushback they gave the fight that they have. These guys have played almost a hundred games for almost four or five seasons and to be down three, one again and say to themselves, we're not giving up. They win game. They uh, push the series three two. They go to OT in, in game six. Like uh, a lot of credit there. That that 
I guess you could kind of say that dynasty is ended here, obviously. I mean, round one. I mean, you got to shout outs. You have to give Stamkos, Braden Point, Hedman, unbelievable. Kucherov, unbelievable. And, and Vasilevsky. I mean, one goal against the regulation. The OT winner goes off a foot. He did everything he could, obviously, for them. And, and, and I mean, what do you, you, you can't, you can't win forever. It's just the, ma- the matter of the fact you can't win forever. The cap situation is what is kind of brought what, brought Tampa down from their past teams. But this was, this was a phenomenal series. This was unbelievable. Even for the neutral fans, uh, the, the, the team that was on the dynasty versus the teams that, that hasn't got done in round one, go at it and put on an absolute show for us. So, um, yeah, congrats to the least fan base. That's all you could say. And, and let's see what they do moving forward. You got to be happy for them. You really do. And, uh, you got to think, man, like think about what Tampa, Tampa Bay has been all in at deadlines. They've been shipping up prospects. I mean, yep. yeah, they'll look back at that Tanner Jarno trade and probably regret it. He did not play yeah. well and they gave a boatload up to get him. Um, so we'll see this, this could be a little bit of a regression for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do we expect them to be a top three team in the Atlantic with those hungry teams in Buffalo, Ottawa and, and Detroit going to get better and older? We'll see the, like you said, this does seem like it's the end of the dynasty, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you've got to be happy uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you know, obviously, we know we're going to preview the matchups here in a little bit. But yeah. look out. Look out now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is the one you need to get over. Now they're going to be playing with some confidence. Now we might see a little bit more loose, a little bit more of the high-flying Leafs that uh, you see during the regular seasons. The, the high-powered offense, you know, the stars really shining. So... Look out for the Toronto Maple Leafs now. It's going to be exciting, but let's move on to this next series. The Carolina Hurricanes are moving on to the second round, which I which I think is a little disappointing as a fan, just due to the fact that they're so banged up. They're a skeleton yeah. of a team that they are during the regular season. Obviously, without Teravina, without Svechnikov, we didn't see much of Pacioretty. We, we've gone on about it, but Carolina gives uh, Frederick Anderson the nod. He stops 33 of 34. Sorokin was dialed in as well. He made a 39 saves, I think, at a, a 41. They end up losing in overtime on a Paul Statsny yeah. goal. Kind of a you know a shaky one there. But I think if you're an Islanders fan, you got to be disappointed here. You had to take advantage of a banged-up Carolina team. And I'm not sure. I, I think this is, could be the end of the road for Carolina as well, just due to the fact we've got a big game seven tonight, who I think will move on and take care of Carolina. But how would you feel about this series, Justin? Yeah, I was on Islanders. We talked about it a million times, obviously, in terms of the injuries. And and what really drives me nuts is the Islanders, I believe, truly outplayed them for a large portion of this series. They, they, I mean, the numbers are factual here. They, they had much more expected goals for five on five, and they they dominated the pace of play for majority of the uh, the uh, five first five games going obviously into this game six. I had those stats, and so this is a team that just either couldn't put in the back of the net or couldn't get the timely one. And, and again, you go back to the Mayfield high stick changes the series too. You hate to say that, but obviously you don't want to blame refereeing. Um, but yeah, Carolina gets it done. Even the goal again, this is so sour to me. I know I, I all I had was I picked them in, in, in a little prediction in, a, in the bracket stuff, but like the winner turned over, I believe by Pollock in the corner, just uncharacteristic for a guy who's been there and done that so much. And the shot goes short side off like the head of Sorokin, who again doesn't wouldn't normally give up a shot a goal from that angle. Like it was just such a sour way. You feel for the Islanders fans who, like you said, snuck in but had a chance in this series due to injuries. I mean, Carolina fans, I don't really know how you feel comfortable going forward. They got like I said, they got outplayed, and now you got to play a Rangers or a Devils team. Like I, I, they got to be just 
panicking yeah. because as much as we look at the Leafs and the Bruins and the Tampa, like this is a team who's kind of been there to win the last number of years, but pr- obviously they've, they've won round ones and they're not th- as big of a fan base to get that blame and that media talk about how they don't get it done. Like they went all in for Burns. Um, yep. They went and got Freddie Anderson from Toronto. Like this is a t- that's been saying and playing that they should be cup contenders and haven't got it done. And now we, again, we don't believe they will. So Carolina beats the Islanders again. This series was a little bit of a congrats on making it to round two, but I don't think either of us believe much more. So I guess they get it done. Islanders are going to have some decisions to make this offseason. A lot of older guys in that team, and they're not a cup contender per se. So they got to build around Sorokin still, but we'll see what they uh, make uh, some decisions here. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I just I, I want to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes just briefly before we move into the uh, Game Seven preview of the Devils Rangers. But we look back at the deadline, Justin and. The Carolina Hurricanes weren't really that aggressive. I mean, they brought in a guy like Jesse Pugliarvi, who hasn't really been. He has. He's been a bust. I mean, I, I think that there's no way around it. I mean, he's he hasn't been the player that we expected him to be. And you go get a defenseman out of Arizona and Shane Goss to spare, but but really, you know, is that management looking back and going, man, you know, if we could have got a few more pieces, maybe we wouldn't be in in the position we're at right now. I mean, deal in a better position to deal with injuries. It's interesting, man, to uh, to look back and think, you know, maybe they could have been a little bit more aggressive to bring in a few more pieces for this run due to the fact that injuries have played such a big role. But they are moving on, and they are waiting for the winner of the Devils-Rangers series. The Rangers finally come out and gain six. They looked, and they won in dominating fashion, taking down the Rangers, or the Devils 5-2. Uh, to two. Uh, Mika Zibanejad finally breaks the goose egg, gets on the board with a goal. The big guns were going for the Rangers, but we've got a massive Game 7 tonight. The New Jersey Devils taking on the New York Rangers in New Jersey. Winner moves on, loser goes home. Any predictions here, Justin? How you feeling about this game seven? It's going to be electric. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, this was this interesting game seven. This series is one of the craziest we've seen. We had Rangers go up two nothing on the road. New Jersey commenced to win two in Madison Square Garden and then go up uh, uh, three two for the rain and and halt the Rangers scoring. So now all of a sudden the Rangers pop five on you. I'm going to go with the Rangers in game seven. Uh, I think this is going to be a battle. I'm going to say maybe 2-1 again, like we saw in Toronto, Tampa, maybe 3-2 kind of thing. Um, uh, I think it's going to be a low scoring affair. Shesterkin and Schmid, like the game sevens, you expect your goalies to absolutely show out for you. The experience on the Rangers again, we talk about. I think this is going to be Rangers win game seven, move on, <clears throat> play Carolina. I think this is going to be looked back at for the Devils franchise as, hey, we learned a lot in this series. We got a ton of experience. And then next year, we're going to see a different Devils team uh, in terms of talking about how they have uh, kind of been there, seen some things and grow. But I think this is where they kind of take their looking, learn, um, and the experience kind of shows out. I'm going to go Rangers win in a, in a lower scoring game. What do you think? Yeah, I'm on the Rangers as well tonight. And and it goes back to the momentum that I've been seeing during these series. You know, the momentum shifts and how teams are feeling. And I think it was huge for some of those guys to get on the board, like Mika Zibanejad and and Kreider, you know, who's who's been playing well. And, you know, Tarasenko, I think all of these guys are buzzing now. And it's obviously, it's... I, I expect this to be kind of a slower game. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the Devils love to play at a high pace. I'm not sure if they're going to bring that out of the gut, out of the gates in, in the game seven. I mean, we saw it last night in Boston and in in, um, in Florida. And obviously, we'll get into it. I didn't catch much of the Avalanche Kraken game because I was dealing with some uh, with some heartbreak. Uh, just you know the 15 minute <laughs> heartbreak. But uh, but no, it's. Uh, 
it's exciting uh, for uh, for Devils and, and Rangers fans, but I'm with you, man. I think the experience prevails here. I think Shosturkin had a fantastic game in Game 6. I think he continues to roll, and Schmid finally looked a little bit human. So that's not yeah. a great look for uh, uh, for the Devils moving forward, but I think it's a momentum thing. I think the Rangers and the experience win yeah. this one. Yeah, and the one thing I could add just quickly that you talk about experience, and Shosturkin and his ability to play remind me a lot of Vasilevsky. Remember in the last playoff runs, talk about... Vasilevsky's record and uh, in elimination games, his, his save percentage elimination games. The elite of the elite goalies can do that. And they do do that in game sevens. Broder as well. It's like all these all-timers won because they could show up. This is going to be a big one for Shosturkin. I think he's the difference maker in this game. But this will be telling in terms of where he uh, where he kind of aligns and in, in how elite he is at all-timer, et cetera, if, he's gonna, if these Rangers are going to go the distance. Absolutely. Um I'm just going to say this right now, that the winner of this series will move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. But let's move out west. We've got a few more series to break down before we get into our series predictions for the uh, for round two. Uh, the Stars advance. Uh, they take care of the Minnesota Wild. Um, they seem to just kind of turn it on and dominate games five and six. Uh, my questions are, yeah. did uh, uh, Philip Gustafson run out of a bit of a steam? Did the Gus bus fall off the tracks? Um, the Stars will then move on to take on uh, the Seattle Kraken, which we'll get into afterwards. But what did you see from this series? I mean, obviously it started out in a bloodbath, but it just seems like the cream kind of rose to the cro- uh, to the top here where uh, Dallas kind of outlasted a team that, uh, you know, was maybe out-punching their co- or out-kicking their coverage. I mean, I think on paper the Stars are the better team, the more experienced team, and obviously get it done in six games. Yeah, I agree. And and honestly, that, that's all it came down to is the better team ended up winning this series and the better team took control of the series. That's the other thing. Like they dictated the pace of play. They dictated how the opportunities for Minnesota were going to be. Um, Minnesota just d- doesn't have enough firepower to break down a team that's so um, well coached and so well uh Puzzled together. As a, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Stars play a great brand of hockey up and down the lineup, all six guys on the ice at a time, and you need superstars to break through that. The McDavid's, the Matthews, uh, the Jack Hughes right now, the Panarins and all that. Like, those kind of guys break a team down. I don't. I know Kaprizov's in that, Minnesota. That's about it. I don't it. think he has enough. That's I, about yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. think he has enough around him to relentlessly beat down a team to to be able to uh, push your team over the top and win a seven-game series. And that's what is so great about NHL playoffs in the seven-game series is the better team is going to prevail uh, most of the time. And that's what the hap- that's just the simple nature of this series. So um, good for Dallas, obviously. Uh, a lot of experience there with a lot of young guys mixed in. So it's nice to see this team uh, having some success early and we'll see what they do move forward. Absolutely. Um, the Edmonton Oilers. They're out. They win Game Six in in Los Angeles. That was a that was a roller coaster of a game. I won't lie. I mean, back and forth. Uh, you know, McDavid was out. Drysdale was out. This Kaleem Costin character just playing super well for Edmonton. But uh, obviously, I mean, we got to talk about the Stuart Skinner muffin. They're up four three, and he just puts it on the tape uh, of the LA Kings player. And and you know, obviously. Uh, Yamamoto plays hero. The Oilers are moving on. Anything out of this game? It was a roller coaster of a series. A fantastic round one series, and, and a lot of credit to the to Los Angeles Kings. I mean, they didn't roll over. They were they were they're a really good hockey team, yeah. and they will be uh, for the, for the foreseeable future. I think they've got a lot of nice cornerstone pieces there. 
Yeah, I guess first with the Kings in terms of uh, giving credit where credit's due. Corpus Allo obviously didn't finish the series as well as he wanted, but he's kind of hung out to dry. Excuse me, when you go up against obviously players like Dry Saddle, McDavid, uh, uh, in that lineup, you're gonna you're gonna get great A chances continuously, and you can't. That's it's impossible to save them all. Yep. Um, but Kopitar, Doughty, all these guys, like this is a this is a core that's leading a young team. Like this, this you could kind of say they're they're ahead of schedule in in a sense due to their uh, core group being so well experienced and so capable of getting the job done and bringing everyone else around them up and and be better. Um, with that being said, uh, this, this is just a juggernaut of a team. And I'll say this for Kings fans, uh, tuning in, you are probably the second or third best team in the West. It's just, you got matched up with the Oilers in the first round. Like this could have easily been the conference finals to me. I would take the Kings probably over the Avs right now, probably over Seattle, definitely over the wild, over the jets. And, and honestly, I can see them beating Dallas Stars in a seven game series. And I could arguably see them beating Vegas in a seven game series. So this is just a situation for Kings fans where it's, you got that matchup round one and that's just how the playoff format goes. But um, yeah, we're going to get into round two stuff for the Oilers, but Costin, obviously great to see. He's a younger guy, uh, got moved from the Blues. Great production in the regular season, just didn't play a ton of games, so I think that's why it's a little bit of a coming out party, but unbelievable shot on the kid. Absolute yeah. missile on his snapper wrister there. So, um, yeah, DeHarnay and Nurse kind of floated there and didn't didn't cost the Oilers all too much, so that's nice to see as well. Going to need that moving forward, but yes. uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this this isn't too much. Of a story. We're both on Oilers, anyways, right? Uh, six games. I think you had it right on the money. Yeah, we're bullish on the Oilers, and, and I think we'll continue to be bullish on the Oilers. But uh, obviously, you know, just an absolute battle, a back to back playoff beginning round series of the Kings uh, Oilers. A little bit of a rivalry developing there, but uh, the Oilers advance, and then finally last night, Game Seven, the Avalanche and the Kraken, and this is. I mean, if the Bruins would have moved on, I think this shocker would have been talked about a bit more. But just due to the fact of the monumental collapse of the Boston Bruins, not many people are talking about how much of an upset this is. The second year of the expansion of the Seattle Kraken go in and take down the Stanley Cup, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Uh, but first, I want to get into this. The Jordan Everly hit on Andrew Cogliano. I, I, I'm just... Oh, my God. I'm a little bit disappointed yeah. with the, the player safety and, uh, and, and George Peros. I mean... I mean, this guy, Andrew Cagliano has got a, a fractured neck. He's he obviously he's not going to be playing for weeks, and just no discipline for a guy like Jordan Eberle. And I understand that he's a you know he, he's 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 not a you know a dangerous offender or or a repeat offender. But I mean, still, don't you got to discipline that with at least a game? Oh, at least a game. I mean, uh, yeah, no, honestly, a game's probably right on because I guess you could use the argument it wasn't intentional. I really doesn't play that kind of style. He's never shown that he plays that style, but a guy fractures his neck. He's out indefinitely. Like, honestly, and don't know when he's going to be able to play. If ever, a guy like that, a guy of that age, yeah. 100%. And and Everly just steps into game seven. Like, that to me is crazy. I think one game would have been perfect because – Hey, you're out game seven. That's a big penalty. That's a big loss for Seattle. But if Seattle moves on, they get him back for the next Like, that seems about right. But for them to not even look, like, I don't even know if this is normal, but it came out that, like, there's a statement that this isn't going to be looked at. Like, it just was so uh, baffling that that doesn't get checked out at least. So, yeah, insane. Hopefully he recovers well uh, and he's uh, able to come back and do his thing. So, that yeah, that was insane. 
it's, it's and crazy. Only two. It's crazy. There's yeah, only two minute penalty. It's crazy. It, it really is to me. And uh, but yeah, I mean, you got to give the credit to the Kraken. I mean, they're big, mean defense, and their depth. I mean, there's no there's no superstars that jump off the page. I mean, obviously this Maddie Meniere's kid's going to be phenomenal, uh, but he's not a yep. bonafide superstar in the NHL right now. And they just get it done with depth, and they wear down the Avalanche. And I think. There was just no depth in Colorado. There's no substance to that lineup outside of the Nathan McKinnon and Amico Rottenens. I mean, we talked about it at last episode. I mean, they just struggled to 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 get production from the you know yep. the bottom of their lineup. And uh, no, Nachushkin actually, you know that that was a big loss after two games. Landy. No Landy. Landy. Oh, clearly, yeah, no Landy. And and uh, yeah, it just it was a yeah. story of of the uh, the Avalanche, uh, you know, not being the same team they were last year and running into a team that is just hungry. Yeah, and Hungry. you can't ignore like Kadri was on this team last year. Absolutely, well. like that's a ninety-point player. So you lose Kadri, Landeskog, and Nishushkin all in this round one. Yeah, Berko- like yeah, it's not it's not the same no. team. It's it's crazy. Yeah, but I mean to even not get past round one, still still under expectation, obviously. Definitely. Um, okay, let's move into the series coming up. Uh, obviously, yeah. what a phenomenal round one. I mean, just in terms of content, in terms of a viewing experience, unbelievable. Uh, the NHL was producing some serious content. So let's start off with the headlining series. The Toronto Maple Leafs will take on the Florida Panthers. Both teams riding some serious confidence. One team's just broken a 19-year curse, and one team has just beat the best regular season team in the history of the NHL. Who do you like in this series? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm back and forth on how many games I want to take them. I took them in five games against Tampa. Obviously, you went six. I'm going to take them in five games against Florida Panthers. Um, and two quick reasons why. Florida Panthers had all the motivation they possibly could have in the world to upset, to have a historic upset. Historic upset. And they almost went out in five. Let's not like let's not forget they were down three one. <clears throat> Couple bounces go the, the the wrong way. You're you're losing that series in five. <clears throat> and this Toronto team, we said it. The floodgates are open now. The pressure has been lifted. Anything here is just money in the pocket for them. And that's the difference, I believe. I believe that the Leafs getting around one, getting past round one for them is just the beginning in their minds and, and takes the pressure off. Whereas Florida had no pressure in round one, and now it's oh my god, we just knocked off the best team ever. We got it. Maybe we we have to be for real here and show something. And there's other things, obviously goalie matchup, superstar talent. The Leafs are the better team. There's no way around. The Leafs are by far the better team. I'm gonna go Leafs in five. Wouldn't be shocked if this is a sweep. Okay, okay. Just not trusting the adversity and the and, and the and the uh, and the momentum that we just saw the Panthers beat the Bruins with. I'm I, I'm on the Leafs as well. I think the Leafs do win this series. I'm gonna go in six games. Uh, I think the Panthers at some point do get a couple, whether it's game one, just to kind of give the the Leafs a bit of a shock in the system. But um, I do like the Panthers to win a couple games in this. But I do again. I think the Leafs are the better team, and I think. I mean, how dangerous can this team be now that they're out of the first round? So I'll take the Leafs in six games. Uh, let's move on to the Hurricanes and the winner of the Devils-Rangers series. Uh, I'll start things off, Justin. I'm on the winner of the Devils and Rangers series in six games as well. I do think that Carolina, they've got that heart and the soul and the Rod Brendamore. They'll they'll grab a couple. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to say five games. Five games for the Devils and Rangers, whoever wins that series. Do you have a pick for the Devils-Rangers? Who do you think's winning it? Uh, yeah, we went, uh, we're both on the Rangers tonight. 
Okay, Rangers. So I'll just say, so stands. yeah, so we'll say Ra- Rangers and five. That? Okay. Rangers and yep. five. Yeah, yep. staying on Rangers. Uh, I like Rangers and five a lot. Um, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I that's I was kind of looking at that. I was looking at the five six whether or not I trusted the goaltending for Carolina. But you know what? Until Devils put in the hottest young goalie they had, they they couldn't win a game. So I think I'm going to be on your same side. No, I, I, I'll go Rain. <laughs> I hate. To, I'm gonna go Rangers at four. And sweep. I don't love it. <laughs> I don't love it but we're gonna go sweep. So you see if the brooms come out here. Uh, if they get past, if they get past the game seven, they face a lot of adversity in round one. And I'm gonna say they kind of roll forward. Uh, we're both on the same thing, though. We're both thinking the yeah. same same page. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, it just seems like you know. It seems like too when teams go to these Eastern Conference Finals and they in these Stanley Cup runs, there's usually a round yeah. where they kind of get they get hot and they can take care of a team in four or five games. So I think we're we're feeling that as well. We got the Stars cracking here. I personally think that the Kraken, their magic has ended here. I think that this Colorado team was was so banged up, and they took advantage of this team perfectly. I don't think they're going to have it's going to be the same case taking on this Dallas Stars team who are poised for a run. They've got experience. They've got the goaltender. I like the Stars in five games. And I agree. And just quickly, on, on, and it'll go into this as well, and it's what you kind of said. For anyone listening right now saying, oh, my God, these guys have no series going to six games or more, like we have one right now, there's a lot to do with matchups in the NHL. It, it, it's very seriously a matter of how this works. Like, the Devils and Rangers match up a lot different than Carolina Rangers. Uh, we just saw it Edmonton, LA. Like, that's a big part of this. And with that being said, stars cracking. I'm going to go six. Uh, on, on, I'm on Dallas. I'm on Dallas. I think the Kraken uh, do have the depth to push this uh, game or two extra. Uh, Grubauer is playing out of his mind, but Grubauer was playing out of his mind because it was the avalanche. Like, that isn't a joke. I know some fans might not believe that. That is a big factor. They let him go. He wanted to win that. He jumped in the air like they just won the cup when they beat him. Like, that is a huge deal. So, Stars and six, you're on stars and five. We're we're we're, st- we're the exact same right now through, uh, and I, I know what's happening on this next. Series. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go Oilers and six in this one here. Uh, I think that uh, the Golden Knights they'll win a couple, and uh, whether that that's at home, but I, I do think that they have you know a ton of skill up front. Uh, they've got uh, you know their their decor, but what I'm worried about with this Vegas Golden Knights team is their goaltender. I mean, I'm not sure if he. I mean, both goaltenders are you know very unproven, yeah. but. I like the Oilers. I think their superstars take over. I think they're going to get hot here. I think the Oilers are... Uh, I mean, if the Leafs and Oilers are on a crash course, I think that all Canadian fans and just the hockey world, I mean, that would be the perfect final, but I'm going uh, I'm going to go Oilers in six. Yeah, I'm going to go... And I agree. Again, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm going to go Edmonton Oilers in five games. I'm going to lose in five games. I completely agree with everything you said. I think this is a series where you're going to see uh, McDavid and Drysaddle go absolute banana lands, which is crazy to say because they just kind of did already with 11 and 12 points. The Vegas Golden Knights don't have the defensive ability that the, the Kings, Kings had. For sure. They are a more wide-open game, more wide-open team. Like, people need to understand, out of all the teams left in the playoffs going into round two, LA Kings would have been the toughest matchup for McDavid and Dratt on, on a personal player level. This series may have eight goals a game. And it could be 7-1, it could be 5-4, whatever. This will be wide open this series. We're so, hammering the overs yeah. of this series. Hammer <laughs> yeah, the overs. And we're, and we're on Oilers. It's it's yeah. Oilers and high scoring. So um, there you have it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're both on Toronto. Yeah. Quick. 
That's six or less. We're both on Rangers in five or less. We're both on Edmonton in six or less. And we're both on Stars in six or less. So there you have it. Absolutely. That kind of, actually, that's going to be a parlay that I'll hit, uh, you know, once we get the series set in stone, I'll parlay those four teams. Uh, maybe not in the specific games, but I'll just parlay them. And this should give some decent odds there as well. That I mean, there would be a surprising upset for, for one of those teams to go out, in, in my opinion. And Greg, do we want to do it quickly for, for some of the listeners that might want to do something like that? Like, do you, do we want to give a Stanley Cup prediction? Do we want to give a finals prediction just midway through from what we've seen so far? Do you have your matchup and who you think is winning the Cup right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to take the Leafs Oilers, and and I know that sounds crazy, but it just seems like it would. It just seems like they're on a crash course right now, and it just seems like both those fan bases are just starving for a a, a cup final. And and I mean that's that's the way it's looking to me. I think the I think that the conference final series are going to be interesting. I mean, once we get there, I mean those are going to be some fantastic hockey series. But I think the Oilers beat the Stars in the conference final, head to the cup, and I think the Leafs in a game seven will take care of the Rangers. And it, we uh, we could be looking at uh, Leafs, all Canadian Leafs, Edmonton Oilers, a guarantee a Canadian Stanley Cup for the first time since '93. So that'll be my prediction. And I'm gonna give you mine. Then we're gonna have a little bit a little bit of debate here. But I got Oilers Rangers, so we're still on the same mindset. I have Rangers beating Toronto. Yep. I think we're, we're obviously on the same path there. Uh, Rangers a little more experience. I think we're going to be reminded here in this next series how great the Rangers are. I think we're, we got a little bit pushed off them with how the Devils bounce back, but I think we're going to be reminded. Here's a question now. Quickly, here we can talk about it. Toronto versus Oilers. Yeah. I'm Canadian. You're Canadian. We know how massive. You got the Dallas Cowboys for, for Canada yeah. against the best player we've probably ever seen. Or, so for, think about that for viewing. Or you got the best player we've ever seen in Edmonton. You got the Canadian fan base trying to break the Canadian slump of Stanley Cups against the New York Rangers and that That's American it. fan base. Like, what do you think? Like, you're Gary Bettman right now. What do you want to happen? Do you want Rangers Edmonton or do you want Toronto Edmonton in terms of viewership? It's a good question. It's a good question. You know what? I think uh, just in terms of, uh, of geographical location and both nations involved, I think that you would want the Rangers and Oilers. But... The Leafs brand and the Leafs—it's—it's yeah. it's so it's huge, man. Like it's—it's—it's it's, it's just gigantic. I think I think selfishly, I'd want the Oilers Leafs. I do want the Oilers Leafs selfishly, but I think for the for the I guess global outlook of the NHL, I think that Rangers. I think that Rangers Oilers is, is maybe the more compelling series, or, or maybe for business. I'm not sure. That's actually a, that's a great question. And you know what? We're gonna get well again. Knock on wood for our predictions. We're gonna get Rangers Leafs in the conference final. So there's your viewership. That's gonna be Very absolutely true. out of this world. Yeah. So that that's kind of a win win for Bettman. He is at, Bettman absolutely is cheering for Leafs in the New York Rangers. There's no way around it in the in the second round because if he's sitting there. Conference finals, Leafs and Rangers, and then one of those two get to go to the finals, possibly against a McDavid. This this could be honestly be massive for the NHL's growth. So that's unreal to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh uh RIP uh to the Boston Bruins and their historic season. Uh ladies and gentlemen, uh my condolences to all the Bruins fans out there. Uh but we're moving on into the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. Because we've got some playoff basketball to break down. We've got some to preview some series here. But just finally, before we get into the, the series preview of round two in the NBA, the Lakers absolutely dismantle the Memphis Grizzlies. Justin was all over the Lakers. 
kudos to you, Justin. I mean, you've had some serious hot predictions here on the podcast, which is why we brought you on. We know you're a guru. But yeah, take another Grizzlies in game six. Not really close at any point. Uh, obviously, LeBron James making fun, poking fun of the Grizzlies. Dylan Brooks, fine. 25 grand for not showing up to any of his media ability. Absolute clown. I mean, what? Yeah. It's just such a coward look to go out and be as cocky as you are and not go back to the media and, 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 you know, hear what you have to say after a few losses. But yeah, the Lakers and, and they are on a crash course and they're going to, it's going to be an exciting round two in the NBA, no doubt. But uh, anything from the, from the Lakers Memphis series? Yeah. So, um, Interesting. I'm, I'm I'm be honest. Like I took Lakers. I thought he'd go seven. I thought Grizzlies were a lot better team. I want to, I do want to say, I think the uh, Morant injury does speak a, a lot more to this series. Cause he finished that last game. I have it in front of me, 10 points, three for 16. I did not realize it's that big of a shooting slump. So like that's a player who's an all time all, all NBA player at the moment. And, and he wasn't on his a hundred percent health. So, um, but Dylan Brooks, you got it. We got to wrap this up and talk about it. Like this guy, was so abysmal for his talk at LeBron yeah. and LeBron showed up. Uh, uh, he had a weaker game, game five, which we talked about, but he showed up and, and Bain, uh, um, Brooksy here goes four for 11 shooting. Like you're, and he said to himself, he said to himself, I was so bad and so proven wrong. I'd rather pay the fine and pay my money out of my pocket than talk to the media. That is just speaks volumes to what he already knows. Like, he like that speaks volumes to me that he knows what he did was just looks made him look like a clown and he's aware of it. His PR team must have been screaming at him not to talk to the media. Yeah, it, it's just been such a mess for the Memphis Grizzlies down the stretch here. I mean, obviously with with John Moran and the whole gun situation and him having to leave the team, and then I mean Dylan Brooks. It, it's not like he came on and just started just melting off to LeBron. He was melting off with Clay yeah. Thompson. He was melting off with with Draymond Green, and it's like you know put up or shut up. And yeah. and he yeah. chose to shut up because he couldn't put up. So, listen, we got the uh, the we got the Lakers moving on, and they are going to take on the Warriors, who finally get a road dub, who finally get it done in games. I shouldn't say finally, but they get it done in Game Seven versus a team that was up two zero on them after uh, you know they got Sacramento's going crazy. But Steph Curry, man, fifty points. I mean, this guy's out there swagging. I, I mean, I love watching Steph when he's hot, man. He's one of the more exciting basketball players to watch. But now we got the Warriors-Lakers, man. It's going to be super exciting. But anything from that Warriors series? I mean, Sacramento Kings gave the Warriors everything they had, man. It was a, it was a, it was a fun series to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted, to, I just confirmed it quick. Steph Curry has four NBA championships. Yep. He put up a, he just put up a fifty piece in Game Seven. This team is so old from what they were in their prime dynasty run. Yeah. Is it safe to say that because? LeBron is in the league because we've just watched LeBron for the last 20 years. Are we disrespecting Steph a little bit in the goat conversation? Like if Steph came along in maybe five years from now and like the, or like five years removed from LeBron being in the league and this was his league, like four NBA championships, most three pointers ever made unanimous MVP, NBA finals, MVPs. Like the guy has all of it. Like, is he is he one championship away from from LeBron? like what what point or is he just not there is he just not at the LeBron and MJ level like again this could be very speculative I'm again maybe it's just something you got to give him credit but like this guy's done it all and he delivers for his team and carries them it just feels like he doesn't even get close to the same treatment that we give LeBron and probably rightfully so I'm not saying he's LeBron but is he, is he a little bit disrespected maybe not getting enough talk even being top five all time or something like that yeah 
Yeah, I see what you're saying here for sure. I mean, I don't think Steph gets enough love at all. And and and, and what it's kind of like the modern day Crosby Ovechkin argument, maybe too. Like, you know, yeah. you got one guy who's just you know a phenomenal all around player, uh, but then you got a guy who's just you know a phenomenal scorer. And like, where do they rank? They're both. I mean, they're both phenomenal players. But I, I think I think LeBron is just just the all around guy and just his ability to go to nine straight championships and yeah. uh, to take teams that maybe weren't as skilled. But but Steph, you're right. I mean. I don't think he gets enough love. Like he's just been such a dominant player and, and you know, most three pointers ever. And he's really just, he's, he's tra- he's single handedly transformed the game. I mean, how many more threes are being shot nowadays and, and how much more onus do yeah. teams put on, on making sure they've got the three ball in the lineup. And, it's uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, those two—they're tough to compare just because they're just yeah. so different in in regard to you know how they play the game. LeBron is, LeBron's a better basketball player. I'm gonna just come out and say that. Yeah, hundred percent. But uh, but I mean, in terms of like all time and, and and being an all time great, I don't think that he's talked about enough of being in those conversations of of really being a, a legacy of uh, of these last you know decade and a half of, of NBA basketball. Yeah, no, for sure. And I was we're not trying to get into a Curry LeBron debate. Maybe no, it's no. a midsummer thing. We yeah, get yeah. Into. So uh LeBron's top two. Completely agree. I, I yeah. have an argument for him to be one. I just think, hey, maybe Curry's gotta be in that top five conversation. Yeah. And maybe he's creeping in there. But um yeah, this just the Warriors finished it against Sacramento. Um luckily, because I went at Sacramento going into playoffs, calling them frauds. We've talked about it each pod here, and they finally get it done, beat him by twenty. Hurry with the 50 piece. And now we get, I know we're getting into it, but we might as well quickly talk because we just brought it up. I, I, Let's I do didn't it. plan Let's to do break that. it down. We got Golden State Lakers. We got Curry LeBron possibly one last time, possibly one last time to go to the West Coast playoffs. I mean, that's absolutely unreal for the, the, for the neutral fans, for the diehard NBA fans. It's just perfect to see. Man, this is, I mean, yeah. Could, could you could you draw it up any better? We got Steph Curry, LeBron James, round two. You got the Draymond Green, LeBron James relationship there where Draymond loves LeBron. I mean, and, and you got this Lakers team that's playing very well as well. I mean, you got Anthony Davis seems to, you know, have figured it out. He seems to be healthy right now. And man, this is going to be a fun one. And uh, I mean, let's go with predictions here. I'm going to take Golden State in seven games. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I might just do it again for a little bit of our uh, uh, talking about it. I'm I'm going to go Lakers in seven. Let's go. Because the, the Golden State hasn't been phenomenal, obviously, through that Sacramento series. But again, Lakers, like Memphis was bang. I, this is going to be a tough one to pick. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll both go seven. If this goes game seven, we'll have a great one to, for viewing. So Talk about friendly uh, playoff road trips, <laughs> just in regard to, uh, you know, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just for golden state now going to Sacramento, now going to Los Angeles. I mean, just keeping it within the state. Yeah, uh, pretty crazy. It's huge actually. Okay. We'll just, we'll stay in the Eastern Con- or we'll stay in the Western conference. Uh, we've got one game yeah. in the books. Uh, the nuggets obviously knock off the suns in game one. Um, how do you feel about this series? Is there any chance that the suns could upset it? I'll give you my prediction. I'm taking the suns in seven. Um, Suns and seven. Yeah. Suns and seven. How you feeling about this? Yeah, I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely reasonable. Um, obviously, the superstars are there. I've been heavy Nuggets. Yep. I've been heavy Nuggets. I talked about before. Um, they hammered them game one, or, or showed that they 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 the real deal. Jamal Murray is absolutely him Cooking. for multiple reasons, a yep. magnitude of reasons, both on and off the court. I'm talking everything. He is him. Yeah. Um, and I think that this Nuggets defense is so underrated. I don't think KD's fully healthy. He was banged up the whole way to the playoffs. Booker, uh, KD, Chris Paul, uh, Aiden, they didn't all play together. Like, 
I'm gonna go Nuggets in. I'm gonna go Nuggets in seven. Well, if it goes seven again, we're gonna have have an absolute heater. But I think the Nuggets are underrated, even though they're the one team in the in the West. But again, it's hard to feel comfortable going up against a KD Booker Chris Paul lineup. So I think it's gonna be a long series. I do. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't really get to see the Suns face any adversity uh, against the Clippers. I mean, obviously yeah. with all the injuries, I mean it was kind of smooth sailing as soon as Kawhi left the series. Um, Celtics, 76ers. And I know for a fact we're on different sides of this one. I'm taking the Celtics in seven. And I, you know what? I'm completely, I love it. I love what the, I love the Celtics. I love their brand of basketball. Obviously that now yeah. they're my only Boston team left in the playoffs. So I'm going Celtics in seven. I know Dave Portnoy is on Celtics in four, but, uh, who you like? <laughs> and, and, and not surprising at all, but, Hey, he was in your band, uh, bandwagon there too, watching that Bruins game finish with the, a little bit of sulking. But for this Celtics 76ers <laughs> matchup, um, there's one thing for an asterisk, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because I am all 76ers here. Um, made a video earlier on, Boston fans re- reaming down my throat here about how much better they are than the 76ers. But Joel Embiid's doubtful for game one. Uh, this is a 10 point spread because of it. Like, I'm going to hope Embiid gets healthy. I'm going to hope he's able to play, even if it's the rest of the series after game one. So I'm going to go 76ers and seven because I was always 76ers. If he's healthy, I'm 76ers. So I'm going to bank on them giving him enough rest because they foresee that it will actually heal that injury. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm very optimistic, obviously. Uh, 76ers and seven against your Boston seven. All right. Well, we've got three seven-game series predicted here. My, I, I don't think the Heat and Knicks are going seven games. The Miami Heat have showed me already that when Hemi Butler is cooking and these guys are these guys are moving and grooving, they're dangerous. These guys have the experience over the Knicks. I'm taking the Miami Heat in five games. I think they get that. I think they get that this done quickly. Obviously, we saw the Knicks take care of Cleveland, but. The Heat are just coming off a dominating, in dominating fashion, taking down the number one team in the NBA. Oh, similar to the the Florida Panthers, just dismantling the team that had the most points yeah. in the NBA. Now they're taking on a Knicks team, very inexperienced team that's happy to win one round. I'm going Heat in five. I'm sorry, New York Knicks fans. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's fair. It's hard to argue against Jimmy Butler right now. Uh, game one showed out phenomenally as well. They got the win there. Um, I'm not going to be on your side here uh, again. So that's going to be four straight <laughs> NBA series. going to be at different sides. And we all took opposite sides of game sevens. I'm going to go New York Knicks in six. Yep. Uh, I don't think it goes uh, game seven. Two, uh, two reasons for me. In the first series, New York Knicks got absolutely smoked by Cleveland in game two. And everyone thought, okay, Knicks got their game one. But Cleveland showed up. This is where it's going. I think the Knicks are well coached. I think it's Thibodeau in yep. there now. I can't Thibodeau. remember. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and they adjust really well. And they were up in that game in, in the third quarter. So I, I, they, they showed they could play with them, but they adjust really well. And, and if Randall could get going and everything like that, he sat out game one as well. He didn't play. So if he could get healthy, that's another piece that wasn't in that first game. And Jimmy Butler, I'm going to predict it, it, it slows down in terms of how off he can go just I, I don't think it's possible it's nothing even against him i'm gonna go new york knicks pull it off in six i think they tie the series up in game two um and then they kind of take control there it's still gonna go six though so we got i'm on lakers in seven you're on gold state in seven i'm on nuggets in seven you're on Suns. 
We are on the opposite side of game seven for 76ers Boston. I'm 76ers Boston. And then you have Heat in five, and I have New York Knicks in six. So that's our NBA predictions right there going forward. I love it. I love it. It's uh, it's going to be exciting. We've got a round two of the NHL and NBA continuing to keep us, pull us along. Uh, and it's it's May 1st, by the way. I mean, happy May 1st to everybody. Yeah. Uh, already into the month of May. But it's time for the halftime show, Justin. Would you rather? I've got some would you rather questions for me. I'm not sure if you, you geared up any for the kid, but I've got yep. three coming at you. Okay, Perfect. so I'm starting things off here for you. Would you rather get a hole-in-one on hole 16 at the Waste Management or get an albatross, a two on the par five second at Augusta? As much as I'd like to win a green dra- jacket and, and the the Augusta flag, I'm going to go with waste management. I'm taking my shirt off. I'm swinging it in the air, running down to that hole. That place is absolutely electric. So I'm going to go waste management, hole in one. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Oh, it's it's got to be the number one place to get a hole in one. And Tiger's got one there. You're you're automatically on the list with Tiger. And yeah, the Albatross yeah. at hole two at Augusta. It doesn't really. Yeah. It doesn't really. Obviously, it's, Louis Oosthuizen did it. I think you know five six years ago, but. It doesn't really cement it in history, and it's not like you can absolutely celebrate like a like a lunatic. So I I, I think yeah. you're you're uh, you're on the money with that one. Uh, you got one for me? Yeah, I do. You got it here. Ready? Here we go. Yep. Baseball here. Okay, you sit in front row for both here. Yep. You get front row tickets, season tickets for your baseball, your favorite baseball team. Yep. Front row season tickets for or for one time you sit front row to a perfect game in the playoffs by a pitcher. Oh, I'm going with the perfect game. Because yeah. I'm going front row to the perfect game. Because one, if you had season tickets to an MLB series, like how many of those are you able to make it to? Like I, I, I can yeah, mean true. like, like so. What is there? Eighty, uh, what eighty-one home games for every MLB team, or eighty-two home games? What is it? Yeah. One sixty-two yeah. they play, so eighty-one home games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just no chance I'm going to be able to go sit <laughs> through eighty-one games. So. You know, maybe 25 of them. Uh, so I'm going to go with the perfect game. I mean, that would be yep. obviously legendary. Has there ever been a perfect game in the playoffs? Probably not. It might have been. I don't want to misspeak, be- but... I don't know. I don't maybe just no hitter or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. Perfect game. That's a good question. I might have to check that after, but yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to go with the perfect game. All right, listen to this one here, Justin. This one might throw you off a little bit. Would you rather get a Mike Tyson face tattoo or... <laughs> replicate Birdman's tattoos all over your body. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I'm going to go Mike Tyson's face tattoo. I don't think I can handle all that ink uh, uh, like Birdman did it, but I'm going to go with Mike Tyson face tattoo. Uh, and you just got to roll with it. You yeah. have to lean into it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it's going to be. I think, I think you, I, yeah, you got that one right. I mean, there, Birdman has a lot of ink going on there. So, yeah, I think you got that one on there. Yeah, let's go. I got two more for you. Two more for you. Okay. Right. You're the hero. Game seven hero. Would you rather be the OT game seven goal scorer? Or would you rather be the goalie that posted the game seven shutout? Uh, I'm the goal scorer. I, I've never yeah. really, I've never really been a goaltender and I, I don't really, I mean, obviously it would be phenomenal to have a shutout, but I mean the electricity that goes through your body after scoring a goal, especially, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to speak from experience. I've never scored a huge game seven goal, but I mean the celebration, I mean, I'm probably pulling out something outrageous. Yeah. I'm grabbing ice. I'm jumping into the glass. I'm celebrating with the boys. It's good. It, like, I mean, it's, it's gotta be the goal for me. Um, 100%. And, yeah. And, and drinks are, drinks are free for you for that night, by the way. Oh my, of course. <laughs> And they're starting as soon as I step foot in the dressing room. Um, all right. Yeah. 
Would you rather be a seven foot plus NBA player or a 300 pound plus NFL player? Wow. Life is difficult for both. I'm going to go 300 pound NFL player. Uh, I'm probably good at my job just by eating food for a living. True. Uh, so that's a big piece of it. And yeah, but moving around at seven feet, it, 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 what's tougher? Just moving around at seven feet and moving around at 300. I have no idea. I'm, I'm going to go 300 as an NFL fan, I guess. But yeah, I, I think that I think that's the right answer because I think that more aspects of society have tailored towards somebody who is fairly obese uh, and, yeah. and, and not saying that an NFL player who's 200 pound is like crazy obese. Like they're still very athletic. Yeah, they're still, no, you sure. know, and, and, uh, but a seven foot man, I mean, not much is really crafted towards you. I mean, you're, you're yeah. having difficulties to do every, doing everything. Um, yeah. so I, I think you hit that one on the, uh, right. nail on the head there. Let's yeah. hear it. I got one more for you. Last one here at halftime. Yep. All right. Extremely hypothetical. I don't think this, I don't think you'd ever have to go one or the other here at all, but we're going to go. Would you rather win the Stanley Cup? Yep. Or have the single best regular season ever? Oh my god. <laughs> uh okay, we're gonna move into quarter three here, folks. <laughs> That's good, man. Oh man. All right, all right. No, I mean it, it, all right, it's over. <laughs> um Oh man. All right, we're moving into quarter three. That's adding salt. To the wound. Um, but uh, that's insult to injury, right. folks. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to move into quarter three here, folks. We're going to talk about the NFL draft. We'll recap some of the uh, things that happened on day two and day three. Uh, maybe some fantasy impact players, some teams that uh, you know might have gotten a lot better. And then we'll look at some quarterbacks, running backs, receivers that may have an impact next year that might you know get some playing time. Uh, but just starting things off with your Eagles, man. Uh, from what I'm reading, they're crowned the winners of the draft. They had a fantastic draft, you know, top yeah. to bottom. And they also trade for DeAndre Swift out of Detroit. I mean, do the rich get richer here? Like, are you excited for this Eagles season? Like, Eagles fans must be just ecstatic. And, and absolutely. It's going to be a different season. Um, um, I haven't experienced this even when we, when we won the Super Bowl and even going into this year. We weren't, like, considered the favorite, like, at all. Like, we were, I think to win the, the NFC, like to go to the Super Bowl. I think we were like sixth in the NFC, but this team crushed it. Howie Roseman, again, we talked about it before. He goes all in. When, when it's time, he goes all in. And he did it with this draft. Jalen Carter, we talked about, was phenomenal pick at nine. Uh, we discussed that already. Uh, Nolan Smith as well, the Georgia linebacker, that just building around Georgia guys. Picks for me that stood out, just quickly break down this roster, is Keely Ringo. They got him in the fourth round, another Georgia product. Like, these guys, and Howie Roseman talked about it after the draft in an interview, um, how do you not want chemistry on your defense? And he talked about his locker room, how they've had phenomenal chemistry through these years, and that's what's kind of, he said, he believes, it's it's giving guys the floor to almost outproduce what they're expected because they're so comfortable. They have a great rapport with the guys beside them when they're going in the trenches. Keely Ringo is another Georgia product, a cornerback in the fourth round. We need the secondary help. That's a huge addition. If he could step in there, be comfortable, uh, play across from Slay in that secondary and help this Eagles team manage the losses we had because of salary cap issues uh, this offseason. Love that pick. And then DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift trade is nothing but potential. And I know it's weird to say that he's been in the league, so it's not that kind of potential. It's You didn't give that much for him. And you get a player who's proven 
that he could be an absolute game breaker, home run hitting running back, catches the ball really well, very shifty, very fast. He's been dealing with injuries. But we have Gainwell, we have Rashad Penny, we have Boston Scott in that backfield. Like we can survive if, if DeAndre Swift um is dealing with something, we have to rest and whatever. But whenever he's back in that lineup fully healthy, he is an absolute uh s- the game breaker, uh, blazing man. running game breaker. Yeah, yeah, like he is a huge piece to that defense. And and this is a hundred percent true. It's not disrespect to Miles Sanders. If DeAndre Swift is fully healthy, he is a better running back than Miles Sanders. So now you're giving Jalen Hurts in this offense, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, another year older for Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Brown, another year development. This O line is one of the best in the league. A better running back than we had last year. Like that is crazy. Rashad Penny, when he's healthy. He's the most efficient running back in the league he saw he proved two years ago. Like this offense somehow got better. And we had no cap space. It is absolutely insane what Howard Roseman was able to do. And he used the draft picks to load up the defense. That's what he that's what was so impressive. Because we were gonna we just assumed we're gonna sign Rashad Penny to a cheap deal, move forward with that, and, and hopefully him and Gainwell step up. Now you had Swift and the depth of running backs amazing. So couldn't be more excited for this Eagles team. It will be an interesting season as a fan, being a like a favorite Eagles team, an expected uh, uh, Eagles team. We haven't had that in a little bit, but I couldn't be more excited for sure. But, um, yeah, in terms of fantasy on this Eagles roster, uh, you got to be all over Jalen Hurts. He's got He's going to be a top three QB picked. Um, Devontae Smith has to be at one of the top uh, wide receivers. You could probably get him later than you're going to get A.J. Brown, but I think he'll outproduce him. And you got to take a chance on Swift and Rashad Penny. You have to take Swift. And if you're looking at your last few rounds of the draft, take Gainwell. Because if those two who've shown, shown that they've get hurt, Penny's been hurt a lot, Swift's been hurt a lot, Gainwell will absolutely step in there and be phenomenal. So a lot of exciting things for this Eagles roster. Man, it's got to be. An, and look at that NFC. It's just wide open. I mean, outside <laughs> of, you know, San Francisco, who a lot, a lot of questions at quarterback. But, I yeah. mean, you know, if they if, – I mean, the Eagles, it, it just seems like it, it's going to run through Philadelphia right now. I mean, just in yeah. regard to, you know, how, how uh, strongly they drafted. And, and, yeah, like you said, I mean, this DeAndre Swift and, and Rashad Penny, you know, bringing these two backs uh, with the with the loss of Miles Sanders. I mean, I think you would take Penny – a healthy Penny and a healthy DeAndre Swift over, you know, over yeah. uh, Miles Sanders all day long. Uh, I just want to talk about quickly – uh, what the fuck were the Patriots doing drafting a kicker and a punter? Trading up to draft a kicker? I mean, this guy's not even like a crazy prospect. Like, I, I Bill Belichick, man, I, I just, I don't even know why I follow the Patriots draft because he, I, I just shake my head sometimes. And I understand that Nick Folk's old and, um, but like, did, did that deserve a fourth round pick? Anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, quickly, I can't say I sit here and scout the kickers enough to say this guy's worth it or not, but. What I the only thing I could add to this is, you used a it's a it's a fourth round pick. You if he if he's a bust, which in a year or two he easily could be because if they miss four kicks, they basically get cut nowadays in the yeah. NFL. So you're just gonna cut a fourth round pick and act like nobody's gonna remember that. Like we'll see, we'll see. It's it's definitely throwing some chips in, and then th- and then a punter in the sixth round. It's kind of pushing the chips in the table and saying, you know, and like how risky is that? Like anyway, it just. Yeah. It blows yeah. my mind that the Patriots went that direction. Uh, but a couple cool moments here, Justin, before we get into some maybe some quarterbacks, running backs, receivers that you know we think that might yeah. be able to uh, make some impact. Deuce Vaughn, uh, cool moment, running back. Uh, his old man is is on the uh, is on the scouting staff and the management of the Cowboys. They draft him. Uh, obviously, he wasn't aware that the Cowboys were leaning in that direction to take him. So nice surprise in the war room. And then the Steelers. 
open up the second round by taking obviously longtime DB Joey Porter's son, Joey Porter Jr., cornerback. Yeah. So kind of a cool, uh, some cool stories there in in, in Dallas and in in Pittsburgh with uh, a couple uh, you know connections there in, in the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. That Dallas video was pretty cool. His dad calling his son and saying, "You want to come to work with me on Monday?" That's, yeah. Uh, that's an awesome thing to see. And he's going obviously to a great franchise and great team. Uh, he'll be the number two behind Pollard. So uh, yeah, that's unreal to see his dad's the scout there. Uh, those are unreal moments, unreal moments. I mean, you can't, you can't even think, you can't even imagine what they'll feel like. So it's just crazy to see good for them. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that family. Yeah. Incredible. And then obviously the uh, Joey Porter jr. Love seeing it. Okay. Let's go. Let's hop into some of these quarterbacks. So we got uh young Stroud yeah. and Richardson all drafted in the first round. We got Levis taken by the Tennessee Titans. And then we get hooker uh, taken in the third round by Detroit. Then, you know, there's, there's a few that go in the fourth and fifth, a little bit later on. I'm not sure any of those later guys will be making any sort of news anytime soon, but out of these, you know, these see these five top quarterbacks here. Uh, we did have Stetson Bennett go as well to the Rams in the fourth, but uh, I mean, not, a, not, not a lot of scouts high on that. Uh, when you're playing on a team as juiced as Georgia, I think you just need a little <laughs> bit of mediocre quarterback play to get it done there. But okay, in terms of of, of the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, uh, Richardson, Levis, and Hooker, are any of these guys going to get an opportunity to play next year? And are any of these guys going to be worth you know a fantasy sniff, or are we just going to sit back and watch for a season here? No, no, not at all. And I think uh, I think we're going to see all three be the starters. I think the only one that's Potentially not going to play as much as the other two is Bryce Young with, uh, oh, sorry, uh, CJ Stroud with Houston. I think that Houston might give a little bit of time, perhaps, but I can see all three of them starting day one. It sounds like everything I see, Richardson is going to start game day one. Um, and I would assume the number one overall pick and Bryce Young will as well. I mean, put some damn respect get- on our guy Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis. I say <laughs> he wins that job, man. It It's true. He, he could absolutely win the job, but it just... It feels to me, depending on how the Colts see their roster, whether or not it's something that they want to get Richardson right in there to experience the fire, or they want to develop. But you know what, Minshew's a good. Yeah, Minshew would be a good decision to start him prior. Again, I'm speaking from what I what I've seen in in the articles. So yeah, um, yeah, no, but Minshew right. would Minshew would make sense. Give him time to develop uh, develop as a passer in terms of Richardson. So that would make sense to me. Bryce Young has no reason not to start. I don't That'll care who's in. there. Yeah, they've started. For the last three years, worse quarterbacks than he already is all season long. They've had no one. There's no reason he doesn't start right away. And again, CJ Stroud, it's it's again, it's a it would be a developmental decision for maybe three to six games, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, same with Richardson. But in terms of fantasy, the number one guy you have to take on the board is Anthony Richardson. You're not gonna want to take him as the only QB on your team. But you are going to want to take them later in the draft. If you're playing a super flex with two QBs, you're going to want to take them a lot earlier. And if you're playing dynasty, uh, you keep the players obviously throughout the years. You're going to want Richardson's quick because Richardson, as bad as he was of a passer and an unproven passer, NFL started to show that they could develop that in terms of uh, fields, uh, um, um, Lamar Jackson. And the fantasy game nowadays, that rushing perk for the QB is so massive with Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. Again, we saw Justin Fields became a top three uh, uh, QB in the league. You're going to want Richardson quick. You could take Bryce Young as well. He's going to play a ton of games, obviously. Like I said, I think he's going to step in day one. He's got a pretty good core around him. That team wasn't god-awful. I know they're obviously picking one and, and because they trade up for it. Those are the two you're going to want to take. And you're going to want to take Richardson first, and you're going to have to be a little bit patient on him. But the upside to his running ability, you're going to want to take Richardson pretty darn quick uh, if, if 
for the potential he could pay out. Yeah, absolutely. For sure, in dynasty leagues, uh, if you're a year by year guy, I I, I would hold off. <laughs> yeah, we're not looking at him early on, but no, I I totally agree in regard to just the fact that. We're looking at these quarterbacks, and we're looking at how much noise and how much damage they're making uh, when they've got that dual threat ability like Anthony Richardson has. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a guy to watch. And it's just going to be just fascinating watching these camps in terms of the quarterbacks and seeing the strides. And But when we look at Houston, I think it is going to be Davis Mills for a little bit, and he's going to have a yeah. very short leash. Uh, but no, it's going to be exciting there to watch. Let's move into running backs here. Obviously, we saw Robinson and Gibbs go in the first round. Uh, we expect those two to definitely step in and, and get some time. Uh, and then Charbonnet goes in, in, in round two to Seattle. Um, I mean... Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, he'll probably play behind. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, obviously, with the with the loss of Penny, I'm not sure what the depth chart's looking like there in Seattle. But is there any running backs and receivers? Just uh, let's just do let's just kind of compact them into both. Any running backs and receivers yeah. that you're like, yeah, that guy's going to be worth drafting. In yeah, fantasy. absolutely. So the first two, the, yeah, the first two big dogs in fantasy that uh, that we're looking at are Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. Um, I currently sit in a dynasty. I currently sit in the dynasty league keeper league. I have yep. the number two overall pick, and my number two overall pick will be Jameer Gibbs because Bijan Robinson's going one on one. There's no way around it. Bijan Robinson has to be the one on one. The eighth overall pick capital put into him shows that they're going to absolutely run their offense through him for years to come. Atlanta already peppered the ball to their running backs last year, and now they just get the best prospect since Saquon Barkley. Um, so Bijan's the one-on-one. If you're not taking Bijan at the one-on-one in dynasty leagues, especially you're, you're crazy. And even in redraft leagues, single league, a uh, single year re- redraft leagues, Bijan, um, I believe I saw him going around the the fifth, sixth round at the moment. I promise you by the time the draft comes around uh, and we're drafted for fantasy leagues, that's going to be probably top three rounds, maybe round four. He will be it. Brees Hall showed last year uh, he, uh, before he got hurt. He was becoming an absolute fantasy stud. You're going to want to take Bijan quick. Jameer Gibbs is going to be a little bit different. He's going to look a lot more like a Travis Etienne. Um, so you're going to be comfortable getting him later, and it might be something where – you're more confident taking him uh, and letting a Bijan go early in the draft if that's how your draft works out for maybe what you need at the time. And Jameer Gibbs will be a good running back, but you're probably going to have to wait four to six weeks for him to really become that stud. But he's probably going to be worth the wait. He really will be. Uh, we saw Kenneth Walker go later in the draft than Jameer Gibbs, obviously by far. Jameer went 12, which was insane capital on the move swift. But yep. Kenneth Walker stepped in and became a top four running back in fantasy last year. So Phil Codswell taking Jameer Gibbs for wide receivers. Uh, Smith and Jigma on Seattle yep. will be a really good, really good pick. That that core of Metcalf, Lockett, and Smith and Jigma, I think they're going to run in Jigma out of the, the slot a little bit more. Uh, Lock and Metcalf will go outside, and that gives Gino a Gino. dump off option that's absolutely electric. Gino Smith. Um, so he's a name. And for me, Quentin Johnson. This one was interesting to to, to the Chargers. Everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, they have Keenan Allen, they have Mike Williams. Those guys get hurt a lot. Yes, they're, they do. Uh, uh, Keenan's older. If one of them get hurt, Justin Herbert proved last fantasy season he, any receiver that's getting balls, like, that has to be in the game because he's got to throw to someone is going to be fantasy relevant. We saw it with Palmer and we saw it with uh, uh, Carter last year. Yep. Quentin Johnson with his talent level huge and the injuries that happened, he could be an absolute steal in fantasies because you're going to get him late in single years and he's a good dynasty pick. And the last one for me is uh, Dalton Kincaid. He went to Buffalo, man, tight end. Uh, we're getting to tight end a little bit here. That's a, t- like, that's a spot there. 
Dawson Knox would do a lot of the blocking, but he hasn't proven that he could be a game-breaking receiving uh, uh, tight end. And Kincaid is that type. I could see them running Dawson Knox on a lot of blocking assignments, and Kincaid could take off down the field and be more of the receiving one. Maybe not again. Maybe not a first six weeks kind of fantasy player that is is a plug and play guy. But Dalton Kincaid, second half of the fantasy season and moving forward, could be absolutely phenomenal if, in the future for uh, Josh Allen to have that extra piece. Yeah, I like it. Uh, and just finally, too, uh, I'll I'll throw in Jordan Addison uh, if from Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, a lot of scopes yeah. loved his tape. Uh, loved his ability. Obviously, Adam Thielen has left. He's gone to Carolina, and now you got uh, Justin Jefferson, who will get all of the attention uh, yeah. from the secondary and from top corner. So you got a guy like Jordan Addison could make an impact. We know Kirk likes to throw. Uh, so potentially another guy uh, that could be in the mix there as well. But obviously the NFL is is, is, is far away. We've got a lot more to, to, to get into in regard to NHL, NBA. But it was fun to kind of have that little brief week of let's dive mm. back into the NFL yeah. quickly here before we kind of we shove it off onto the back burner for a few more months. Uh, just finally here in quarter four, Justin, let's get into the MLB. Let's get into the PGA Tour. Obviously, we talked about it last episode. We're not fully involved in the MLB yet, uh, but the Padres Giants do play a two-game series in Mexico. Uh, the Padres do win both. There was an 11 home run game. But what I love about these international games, Justin, I've talked about it in the past, is that the globalization of sports, especially these North American sports, is just so key. and It's just so phenomenal to see. We're, we're seeing it just across all of the leagues, kind of sniffing out certain points of time in the regular season to go to these foreign countries and put on a show. I thought they did a great job, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just fun to see them, you know, explore these international markets and really, you know, uh, put on the product that they do. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a great decision. NFL does it. The NFL had a, a draft pick in Germany, so yep. MLB making the same moves, I think makes perfect sense. And MLB has a, arguably has one of the bigger international fan bases. Obviously, baseball is pretty worldwide, so that's great to see them make the the move to go to different places like that. And they got a great game, so good for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then we got Bryce Harper uh, for the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Phillies. going to be returning this week. So, obviously, we saw the magic they were able to uh, to cook up last year uh, for a run. So, that's exciting uh, for Phillies fans. Um, Justin, I did want to bring this up. Have you seen the Los Angeles Angels home run hat? Dude, no, I have not. This thing is absolutely ridiculous. It is like an empire's lid. It's like, do you know what? Or an emperor. An emperor is 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 the way to put it. So, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like this long. I'm gonna see if I can find it here. Uh, yeah, I'm pulling it up here. Yeah, just look up the uh, the Los Angeles uh, Angels. <laughs> That's insane. That Insane that they just put that on them right after. <laughs> but it's it's got to be electric. one. Yeah, it's got to be one of the you know more fun you know traditions I guess in the MLB right now is you know we see it with the Jays with the Blazer. I might have to look through and see which teams are doing it and what they're kind of doing because obviously the Jays Blazers is exciting, but that Emperor lid is just unreal. <laughs> That is unbelievable, and 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 that that's what you loved as like fan base. That's what makes it fun. Like a guy hits a home run, you got to watch the dugout put on a, a hat like that. Is yep. uh, is sick. Like I love when the Jays do it with the with the blazer. I think yep. that's a pretty clean little celebration. So this is this makes sense. That's unreal. Otani's rocking it more than anyone. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, or is it just Otani's? I don't know. I might have because I was the that was the only cowboy hat, right? That was the only like two, maybe. Maybe that's if that's just (laughs) Otani's. That is unbelievable. I think that would be crazy. I don't know. Maybe I think Mike Trout. Mike Trout has it on this time. Who knows? Maybe it's a maybe it's a certain moment or something. Yeah, yeah. Either way, that's all time. It's a good looking. (laughs) uh, It's a good looking piece to have on after a home run. Um, 
the Oakland Athletics, man, they uh, there was a bunch of fans lined up in the outfield. I shouldn't say a bunch. There was the 12 fans that were at the game lined up in the outfield, <laughs> hanging signs over the outfield uh, saying, sell the team. They were kind of chirping the uh, chirping the, the owner. And if you were watching the game on a broadcast, they cropped it out. You couldn't see the signs on the broadcast. So it was uh, John Boy Media. I'll shout out John Boy Media. Uh, really poked the bear by showing that there was a bunch of fans with these egregious signs lined up. And then if you're watching it on TV, you don't see the signs because they cropped them out. Just had an outrageous move by the broadcast. I mean, this team's 6-23. and 23, So, I, you know, I feel good for the Oakland fans. They won't have the burden of having to, uh, to have their hometown team be this bad when they're in Vegas. So, uh, it's just, it's bad. I mean, I don't blame them for being upset. Uh what are you gonna do? It's the decision's done. It's it's how it's been for years. Poor poor fan base, man. It's just it it's they're going through the ringer and they will be going through the ringer. We talked about it. Uh, we got the Jays Sox this this week uh, yeah. starting a three game series uh, tonight. So uh, we'll have a little friendly wager. I'm thinking the Boston Red Sox win two one in the series. Uh, you feeling like the Jays get it done here? I mean, I'm taking Jays. I'm taking Jays to sweep them. I'm taking Jays to sweep them. Let's go. Jays to sweep them. We got Barrios on the mound tonight, so we'll see what that guy brings. He's either a gas can or he's lights out. Uh, just finally, two in the golf world. Uh, Justin with a huge pick. We gave out five picks this week. Uh, we've got Jack Archer in the mix, kind of giving out some golf picks. But Justin with a plus 800, Tony Finau. It was really a John Rom, Tony Finau versus the rest of the field. Yeah. Uh, but John Rom shoots a 10 under on the third round to kind of get back in the mix. But Tony goes and wins the thing. Happy for him, wearing green on Sunday. His wife was, anyways, for his mother-in-law. Man, you got to be happy for a guy like Tony Finau. Even from the full swing on Netflix, he's just such a great character. His sixth win on the PGA Tour, his fourth win in the last 10 months, that ties John Rahm for the most in the PGA Tour. So congrats to Tony Finau getting it done in Mexico. Yeah, awesome to see him and Ram go at it, shooting that low numbers in the low 20s. Those are crazy to see. Ram went minus 10 one round. Yeah. Um, so good for Fino. Now, Fino's having a great year. Great, He's won a couple times. He's, uh, he's performing well. But we got Wells Fargo Championship May 4th, and this is a great field, man. We got another this Elevated. Is another tournament now with a great field. So this will be absolutely electric. We'll have to send some more predictions in for this one, and uh, this will be a great tournament. We're going to have to follow this one uh, a lot more because this has got a good group of guys in this. It's going to be competitive. Yeah, all of the elevated events, obviously huge events on the PGA Tour. This has got a $20 million purse, so the winner will get around $4 million. So it's going to be a huge event this week uh, at Quail Hollow as well. Quail Hollow, obviously, when you think Quail Hollow, you think Rory McIlroy. I'm not saying that he's going to come out and win this thing, but he uh, obviously loves yeah. the track in Quail Hollow. Quail Hollow's hosted a few major championships in the past. Uh, but watch on social media for our picks because we'll give out about six outright bets to put some money on um justin anything finally for the fans before we get we get out of here yeah just touched on that i mean i gave you john matt i got i gave you john ram for the masses i gave you tony fino last weekend so get on the bus here uh just quickly with the quill hollow for you if you were teeing off on hole one it's a par four 524 yards. What are you shooting on that first hole? 524 yard par four. Well, you'd you'd consider that a, a bogey as as a win. I mean, yeah. you know, that's a, that's typically yeah. the length of a par five for most amateurs. Uh, you know, a shorter par yeah. five. I mean, you're hitting driver three wood, and you're hoping you're up by the green, and then you hope you can yeah. get you know up and down for for par, or if not a five, I think a six is reasonable. Seven, you're you're obviously rattled, but um, yeah, man, so I'd, be, uh, I'd be rattled with a seven probably. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I'm gonna go. Uh, but uh, 
But no, listen, everybody, thanks for listening. Make sure you go five-star the episode on Spotify or on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Make sure you're following along on all the socials. Make sure you're engaging with the post. Give us a like. Give us a comment on the post. Uh, but guys, everybody, have a fantastic week. We'll be back on Friday. It's been a pleasure. Well done, Justin. Peace.